Thanks for listening to our podcast. Peterson Toyota is a great Ram Nation partner that has been proudly serving the Fort Collins, Windsor, Loveland, and surrounding areas since 1968. Check out SmartPath, Peterson's online shopping experience that helps you find the perfect vehicle for you, put together your own deal, and finish the purchase your way. Unlike other outdated car shopping sites, Peterson Toyota shows you all the actual inventory on the lot with current pricing, so you'll never miss out on a great deal. Simply browse available vehicles and prices, and when you find the vehicle you love, save it to your account. You can customize your payment estimates using their calculator, get the latest offers to find terms that work for you. Get an instant valuation of your trade-in vehicle, customize your new Toyota with accessories, and add protection products to safeguard your purchase. You can then use SmartPath to apply for financing right there on the spot. You share your vehicle selections with the dealer and determine how you'd like to finalize your purchase, whether in person or online. When the paperwork is done, you set a time to either pick up your vehicle or have it delivered right to you. Doesn't get much easier than that. Peterson strives to be the best in customer service and they will take care of you. If you're in the market for a new or used vehicle, please give Peterson Toyota first shot at your business. Thanks. Enjoy the show. Welcome back to Ram Nation Radio, our second recording of the day here on Thursday. We're hoping to get this one published later tonight or Friday morning at the latest. But uh, earlier today, I had a great conversation with Joe Parker. A lot of great tidbits of info in that one. So hope you check that one out. It's currently live wherever you get your podcasts. And in this episode, we'll have Isaiah Rivera, Patrick Cartier, and we were going to have Tavy. We're going to have three of them join us as well. But uh, he is catching up on some of his schoolwork after his bout of COVID. He's got study hall this evening uh, during our recording time. So he's not going to be able to make it. But uh, we'll get him back on when we can. Of course, he's an official content partner of ours, of, of ours this, this season. Making a little bit of money from our NIL fund. So that is cool. But uh, this will be nice having junior guard Isaiah Rivera, who's been a key part of the program's rebuild and graduate transfer forward Pat Cartier. He'll both of these guys will bring in some new viewpoints and, you know, they're guys from different backgrounds. We'll ask them about last night's tough home loss to Boise State, uh, some of the struggles of this season, and we'll get to know him a little bit. So that should be fun. Uh, Mike Rowe is going to join us here in a little bit as well for that interview. But let me welcome in Steve Ivey of Crackers College Hoops blog. He'll be my co-host for this first segment as we break down, or he breaks down anyway. He's the expert. Last night's tough loss. Steve, you were there. How how difficult was that to watch? I mean, it was an exciting game, but just another dagger-to-the-heart kind of loss. You know, hard losses, I think, the uh, the best way to describe it, the, the way this team – I. At some point, you start developing a lot of empathy for what the team has gone through uh, in terms of illness and injury. Um, and as they gone to a roster that was down to seven and then uh, up to eight scholarship players with the return of Tavy, uh, it's been a it's been a rough go. And we've seen some gradual improvement uh, with this. Uh, smaller roster and I think last night was probably the toughest loss of all because um, I mean Boise's a darn good team they're a game out of first place they're uh, top 40 uh, net ranking they're on their way to the NCAA tournament as long as they don't fall apart 
And the guys went toe to toe with them, not just in terms of scoreboard, but I mean, physically Boise is a very mature physical team and our guys fought really, really hard. And to come out on the short end yesterday, I think was, uh, was probably very difficult on uh, coaching staff, players, and certainly on the fans. It was a tough one for sure. Yeah, you could tell Nika was 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 down a little bit and uh, said, you know, he he appreciates the way his team fights, but uh, he's sick of the losing the tough ones, and um, I think it's getting to him a little bit. But um, what some some of the things that we we continue to see game to game that are leading to some of these losses, I've. Obviously, the uh, Boise's ability to get offensive rebounds last night was a killer. We had some really untimely turnovers. Uh, I know that we were texting during the game, and you you had mentioned some of the help help defense was was lacking. And what what are some of the things that continue in your mind to to plague us and plagued us last night? Yeah, I think first and foremost, Joel, I think the rebounding issue uh, cropped its ugly head yesterday. They did a great job against Air Force the game before albeit a smaller team, Boise's a darn good rebounding team. And they're, like I said, a pretty physical team. Uh, not necessarily the tallest, other than they bring in a pretty tall guy off the bench, but uh, they're very physical and they go after it. And you look at the difference in second chance points. We actually got a few offensive rebounds and did okay on second chance points, but they had seven more than us with a final margin of two. Um that, that, that was enough to make a difference. You talk about turnovers. We had eight turnovers. That's a phenomenal game against a great defensive team. Boise going into the game uh, ranked, I believe, 10th in KenPom.com in terms of defensive efficiency, 10th in the country, not 10th in the conference. Uh, better than San Diego State. Uh, giving up an average of uh, nine-tenths of a point per possession. And here we go. We had over 1.2 points of per, uh, per possession, far and away the most efficient offensive performance of any team against Boise this year. And that's a team, like I said, that's going to make the NCAA tournament and rank top 10. Um, the problem, of course, is we gave up about 1.25 points per possession, just a little more than what we scored to give up to, to a final margin of two. Um, and, you know, I mentioned in my text some of the help. Um, it seems like when somebody goes to the basket, we don't have a very good concept of how to stay with our man and how to, somebody can come off their man and help from the right place. You might see a grab um, from the wing, uh, somebody afraid to come off the three-point shooter, but just enough to grab somebody uh, driving by and, and a foul and causing a foul. Little things like that where we don't really know how to, um, I don't think when I say don't know how, we don't effectively uh, create enough uh, enough uh, physical contact and enough, uh, enough of a, a barrier to keep teams from getting really good shots when they get into the paint. Is that uh, when you look at that with James Moore's getting 12 minutes last night, someone said that he was sick, so maybe that had something to do with it. But I don't know if it's just a regression with him, but he does not seem like the player that he was even last year. You know, being able to to provide a big you know presence inside and redirect shots, you know, make make shots a little more difficult. And, you know, he, he did. He did make a three, but but that's really not what you need from him. He used every part of the rim making that three. Yes, he too. did. But we really need we really need his size. It's one of the things that we're lacking, and and you you kind of need to count on him to to provide you that offensively and defensively. 
and uh, we're just not getting that production out of him. What what do you see from him, and 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 why? Yeah, just first and for uh, first of all, I don't know. I didn't see James getting sick. I saw Cartier getting sick. Um, he looked like he was throwing up in a bucket before the game. <laughs> so um, we can talk to him about that later. Uh, he was a real gamer yesterday. In terms of Moore's, just crazy inconsistency from game to game, Joel. He was good against Air Force. He had points. He had rebounds. Yesterday, um, he scored a little bit in the first half. I think he had five points in the first half, but I'm not sure if he had a rebound. Um, you looked at the, you know, I, I love to look at the uh, the halftime stats up on the on the board at, at Moby, and our leading rebounder was Tavy, um, a 6'2 guard playing 12 minutes or whatever. Um, and uh, that, that, that just can't happen. Um, as good a rebounder as he is, um, you need your bigs getting them. And it's also the cluttering up of the paint. It's the, it's the being able to come off your man and maybe disrupt somebody uh, as they get inside um, and, and cause either a turnover or a missed shot and then grab a board. It's as simple as that. And I don't think we're very good at that. So, yeah. What'd you think about Zay last night? Obviously he had a tough first half. He got injured real early in the game. Hurt his ankle, it appeared, um, was clearly hobbled and bothered by it. Got off to a rough start shooting-wise. I don't think he scored in the first half, but put up 17 in the second half and made just some incredible shots down the stretch again to to give us life and and give us a chance to win. I mean, you made a comment in via text that you wish he was a little less unselfish and, you know, just take, yeah. keep, keeping some of those shots for himself, especially in key moments. Yeah, it's a... It's a um... Getting injured in the first minute of a game, uh, going up, uh, driving into the paint, going up, delivering a pass to Isaiah Rivera, who nailed a three, and it was our first field goal of the game. It was really our first attempt to to score the entire game. And uh, landing on, you know, getting crowded um, defensively, they could have called a foul. He got bumped, and he landed, came down, and obviously – uh, I, I, I don't know if it's his ankle or his foot. I haven't heard any, any updates, but he was obviously in pain right away. Um, and for him to go through, uh, and basically he sat for, I think two minutes in the first half at about the eight minute mark, and then, uh, came in and played the entire second half. And he took another hit in the last, uh, the last couple of minutes, um, and was basically playing on one leg when we're making that run, uh, as you said, didn't score in the first half. Um, if I had a chance to talk to him, I'd probably ask him if his foot was hurting him enough where he was worried about shooting a jump shot and coming down and landing. I, you know, you kind of, he had four unbelievably open looks and shots that he never misses. Um, he might miss one of them and he missed all four scoreless, but he was still uh, passing the ball very well. And I think he had 10 assists before, he even scored a point. He didn't score until about 15 or 16 minutes to go in the game. And then all of a sudden uh, he started getting more involved, doing the things, you know, Tavy came in to get him off, to get Isaiah off the ball a little bit, create a little more space. But Boise was chasing him so hard. He was, you know, running off screens and he'd have a defender, he'd have a big, and sometimes you'd see a third defender kind of trailing him as well. Um, and for him to play the way he did, keeping his dribble alive, uh, making tough shots, um, finding open teammates, finishing with uh, his third double-double, uh, a point-assist double-double in conference play uh, is amazing. To put that into perspective, 
there have been five point assist double doubles in the entire conference this year. He has three of them. One, uh, Jalen House of New Mexico has one. Sean Bearstow of Utah State has one. Zay has three. And uh, two of them have come against the two best defensive teams um, in the conference, San Diego State and uh, and Boise State. So for him to do that, just a phenomenal game. And then in terms of my text, um, basically, you're talking about the most unselfish. You're talking about a, the consummate point guard in terms of the way he plays. And sometimes you wish in the last minute he'd just say, screw that. I'm just going <laughs> to take every shot because he doesn't seem to miss. And I actually talked to his dad after the game and I said, you know, I wish your kid would stop being so unselfish and just sh- shoot the effing ball himself. <laughs> <laughs> his dad had a good laugh over that. Yeah. <laughs> Well, they raised, um, they raised a good one. I will tell you that he's an incredible basketball player, and we're coming down to maybe the last uh, few games in Moby. We don't know if he's going to come back for that possible fifth year, but we might only have two more games in Moby with him, which is uh, it will make me very sad. Yeah, that's that's um, that's hard to believe how fast his career has gone. A great great family, the Stevens. Um, a couple of other things: the use of timeouts. So. There's some people on Ram Nation that just lose their minds when we're going through a run and Nico refuses to to use a timeout. And um, there's a couple other instances that were peculiar where we kind of wished he might have used the timeout. I know that there was a point in the game. I think you might have texted this to me or I was talking to someone about this, but we there was a point where Baylor Hebb was in the game and, and I think he had gotten used a bit on on back to back possessions and. um you know, it would have been nice to get Tavy in in there because Tavy was doing a great job defending on Marcus Shavers. And and then there was also the play where Zay turned the ball over. I think even um, Nico had talked about this after the game where he considered calling a timeout there and, and setting up a play. But this is a play where, um, you know, late in the game, Zay tried to lead Isaiah Rivera, who he thought was cutting to the basket, and Isaiah – did not break and the ball just went sailing to nobody out of bounds. And it was an empty possession. And in, in, I think Nico probably, if he could go back, would have, would have redone that one. But what are your thoughts on um, some of the timeout uses? Yeah, I had no problem with the end game and what happened with uh, him not calling a timeout. That was, that's just one of those unfortunate situations where Isaiah misread Isaiah. Um, uh, Rivera had gotten the ball in the corner, had a pretty good look at a three, decided to turn it down, went back, passed the ball back to Stevens, and then made a sharp move uh, up the baseline. And uh, Zay thought he was cutting and threw it away. And I, but I have no problem with that. Um, Isaiah probably could have been more aggressive. I think Nico pointed out that he had Najee Smith on him, the six seven big, and you would expect Isaiah to maybe uh, take him off the dribble and be able to create something himself. Um, that being said, Najee Smith is one of the top three defenders in the Mountain West, so it would have been a tough task. Um, but the one earlier, I actually, I think I texted, um, I wish we would have taken a timeout when we tied the game at 69. Um, we had gone up, I think, 67-64, gave up a three and then a two, and then we came back and scored a two. I, I can't remember if it was Isaiah or somebody else made a layup. might have been Pat. Um, tied the game up, and I wish we had taken a timeout there because at that point, um, you're tied at 69. You're inside. I think you're right around the four minute mark and Dagenhart is out of the game. And Boise is not faced with a lot of without Dagenhart. They have fewer scores and you knew it was going to be Shaver's time and 
Tavy had done such a good job defensively that uh, that uh, it would have been nice to take a timeout just to put Tavy in for Baylor. And of course, you know, I, I, not that Baylor didn't have a good game. Baylor Baylor played his heart out and gave us, I think, twelve good, twelve or fourteen good minutes. But uh, but Shavers blew by for a layup, and then uh, Baylor got caught on a switch and couldn't handle Degenhardt, who shot a layup. And two layups later. Um, Boise had a four-point lead that they never gave up. So um, that would have been, to me, that was kind of a critical time. And I had, I had talked, uh, I turned to one of the guys who sits next to me, who's an ex-Division three basketball player, played at School of Mines, and said, God, I wish we'd take a timeout right now. And he looked at me and said, yeah, it'd be good to get Tavian. <laughs> yeah. So, but but all in all, I mean, you know, what do you do? Um, you're up against, you know, you're, you're up against a really good team. You're trying to, to manage your way through. And the truth of the matter is, we played a heck of a, a basketball game. And um, if we had rebounded with any kind of conviction, I think we win by 10 points. I, it's as simple as that. And what do you make of the almost every game there's a major run against us where you just cannot seem to stop? Is that is that just um, the game of basketball or is that something that this particular team is susceptible to for some reason? I I, I think it's a little bit of both, Joel. Um, I, I, I'm going to share just some of my bias about this, what happens when I hear somebody say basketball is a game of runs. Um, I kind of get pissed off um, as a fan. Uh, I think that becomes a, a self-fulfilling prophecy and it gives teams permission to allow teams to go on runs, <laughs> your opponent. Um, you got to get a little more hard-nosed. You know, one of the ways – uh, you, you watch any sport, and one of the ways you stop a team on a run is put somebody on their ass. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's as simple as that. You get physical with them, and you might take a few fouls, but you slow down the momentum. If you ever watch uh, international soccer, when a team is flowing through the midfield, all of a sudden you'll see a leg, a leg stick out and chop somebody down, and they're all trying to slow down. The idea is to slow down play, slow down play, slow down play, and it's that uh, – when you're when a team's on a run against you, it's usually because you're not slowing down play enough. You're not fouling. You're not uh, getting in somebody's face. You're not getting an important rebound or whatever. So I think that's a that's one of the one of the weaknesses of this team. I think, and I, I'm not saying that Nico gives him permission when he says it's a game of runs, but I get concerned that I do think that's a self fulfilling prophecy. So what would you think of the last possession? Uh, missed rebound, uh, missed free throw. We get the rebound. I think it was Tanjay pulled it down, right? He, he grabbed it and dribbled up the court. I think we rebounded with six seconds left. So we were down two and um, had a chance to tie with a two or, or win it with a three and uh, just didn't get a great look there. Um, what did you see in person? Well, I, if, I was shocked that we didn't figure out a way to get the ball to Isaiah. Now, remember, it takes two to tango. I heard an interview with Leon Rice after the game, and he had a, a guy, he had his uh, freshman point guard, uh, Jace Whiting, under instructions, whatever you do, do not let Isaiah Stevens catch the ball because that's what's going to beat us if we let that happen. So he was on Isaiah like blue, but there's, there's things you can do there, and I would have expected – and God, I don't know if they've ever practiced any situation like that, but Isaiah was out on the wing. Tavy got a rebound, passed the ball to John and started coming up court. Rivera was about five or 10 feet to the right of John. It might've been nice to see um, 
some kind of dribble handoff to Isaiah, who might have been able to do a little more. I would have loved to see the ball in Isaiah's hands, but it's a tough situation. And I, John did his best to get a shot off. I don't think John is John is a really good catch and shoot guy. John is good in the set offense about, you know, maybe driving and penetrating, but I don't think John is the guy you want coming up the court with five seconds to go. And unfortunately that's who the ball went to. No criticism of John. He did the best he could. And quite frankly, he got fouled. Um, I don't know if he was going to make the shot anyway, but he got hit on the forearm and it was a no call. It was probably the right, I, I would say it was the right call. That would be a tough way to, to watch a team lose a game like uh, like Boise calling a foul there 40 feet from the basket. So well, it would have been a tie. Could have at least gone to overtime if he made both free throws. So well he would have been shooting three. Would have yeah, been shooting been shooting for the win. You're and right. you're right. He was shooting well and probably would have made I had I have no issue believing he would have made all three. I I have every every belief that when he steps to the line in clutch situations he makes free throws. So um but I, I it would have been it would have been a gift if they called that foul. Well, last thing, um, do you have any inside word on why they're being so cautious with Jalen Lake? I mean, he got hurt in the UNLV game, which was what January thirty first. So, um, you know, supposedly with a concussion, he's still out for yeah. days later. That just seems longer than usual for the concussion protocol, unless maybe he has a history of concussions that I'm unaware of. But it just seems long. I don't know what's going on there. Yeah, I don't have any insight into it, but every all my information says concussion, and you got to be really careful with those things. Boy, I'd, I'd love to see him back, and he would have been a nice player to have for last night's game for sure. Yeah. Uh, when he, if and when he comes back, if we can get him back playing to the way he was right before he got hurt, he was just starting to come on. He played a tremendous game against San Diego State, and his he was starting to become our probably. Uh, if there was a period where he was our third, our third most consistent player beside uh, uh, behind Zay and uh, and Patrick, and uh, for him to start clicking and then get John and uh, and Riv clicking as well, all of a sudden you have five that are playing pretty darn well. And so I hope he comes back. This team could still do damage. You look at how they played last night; they're still shorthanded. Um, and uh, with uh, with with Jalen Lake back. Um, I still think there's opportunities for this team to do some damage down the stretch. So we'll see. Do you think they can play their way out of the 10-11 game? I mean, the, the the closing stretch here isn't exactly easy, but uh, what do you think? I don't think it makes a difference, to be honest with you. I don't think there's a team, you know, you look at who's going to be 6 through 11. Uh, right now, uh, it's New Mexico, Fresno, UNLV, Air Force, CSU Wyoming I don't think there's any one of those teams that CSU can't beat so I'm not worried about that we're not going to play ourselves in the top five the ideal is to is to have a bye but you know who would you rather would you you know would you like to be 6-11 and play the play the third place team would you like to play you know uh, the the 11 uh uh the 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 10-7 and then play the second best team i you know it doesn't make a difference you gotta but i think we're every bit uh plenty good enough to get out of the uh the first game and and we've gone overtime with san diego state we've gone the two-point game with boise we were up uh five on uh, nevada at their place inside of eight minutes those are the top three teams we can play with every one of those teams and we've shown that ability 
Uh, last night was another disappointing loss because it was another game where we were ahead in the last eight minutes. And those were games we never gave up leads in last year. And this year, unfortunately, that's I think that's six five or six conference games where we've had the lead in the, in the last eight minutes. And so I'm not, I, I have every bit of confidence. My bigger concern about winning the tournament would be four straight days. That's that's a tall task. Um, but I I don't think from a competitive perspective, there's any team that just is head and shoulders above us. All right, let me pause real quick and tell you about Ginger and Baker. We have talked about their amazing pie lineup, which includes some of the best pies you will ever taste, including some of my favorites, the double crust apple pie, maple pecan pie, chocolate peanut butter. Oh, but their savory pies are equally as famous. We all know about the delectable chicken pot pie, but they have recently added to their cafe menu two new savory pot pies, the veggie pot pie with a creamy filling, bursting with veggies and fresh herbs, and then the short rib pot pie, which is chock full of slow braised short ribs, veggies, and brown gravy. Delicious. The cafe has a ton of other amazing farm-to-table American comfort food classics. And of course, for an even more elevated experience, you can dine at Ginger and Baker's other primary restaurant, The Cash, which is a modern Colorado steakhouse offering steaks and chops, fine wine, good whiskey. Ginger Baker also features a coffee shop, event spaces, a market, a teaching kitchen. This place is amazing, guys. Support our friend Ginger Graham and treat yourself to a world-class experience at our favorite place, Ginger and Baker. All right, we're super excited to welcome in Patrick Cartier, a graduate transfer forward, as well as junior guard Isaiah Rivera. Guys, really excited to have you. I know we wanted to have Tavy as well, but we'll bring him in another time. He's had plenty of airtime anyway. Glad to have a couple new guys in here coming off of a really tough loss last night. But I tell you what, there's one, one thing about this team. You guys have been super shorthanded. Um, you're missing some some key pieces to this team night in, night out, but you you bust your butts every night and you compete. And last night you went toe-to-toe with one of the best teams in the conference and just fell a little bit short. What what was it like for you guys on the court? And and I know it, it went down to the wire and it was a heartbreaker. And, and Coach Nico said it was a game we should have won, just didn't make enough plays, had a couple key turnovers. What was his message to you guys after the game? And and what were your what were your emotions after yet another tough loss? Yeah, um, I would say that, you know, coach coach always keeps it real with us. So I think with everyone, honestly. So he, he kind of echoed the same message uh, message to us. You know, we he said, you know, we thought we came out like we were talking about a little bit before we started recording. You know, I thought we came out with a little bit, bit more juice than they had. Um, I thought we were ready to play. And then, you know, they started getting on the glass a little bit more. We kind of let up some offensive rebounds. Um, and then, yeah, down the stretch, I thought, and even most, most of the second half and a lot of the game, there was just some plays out there to be made that we just didn't make. And uh, I got to tip their cab. They made a lot of those plays. But, yeah, I can – I definitely agree with Coach. That was, that, that was a game that we felt like we should have won, but, you know, we didn't make enough plays. So, Riv, how about you? Yeah, definitely. Like Pat said, uh, got got uh, got outworked on the, the boards. And then at the same time, that's the NCAA tournament team. And we we show we can compete with them. We if everyone on the team just makes one more winning play here or there, then we win that game. <clears throat> and we definitely we definitely sh- we we had them. We should have won that game. And it, that's the that's what that's what really hurts. And there's been a few of those this year. And just just knowing that we can compete just just uh continues to give us confidence and 
and we're better we're better as a team two weeks ago than we, we're better now than two weeks ago we're better now than last week we we've gotten better every single week, week every day and that's really what matters is keep improving keep building off of this just looking at that last play where Tanjay brought the ball up the court you only had six seconds to work with so it was a little bit of panic there but Riv you were on one wing I know uh, Zay was on another Pat, you were near the top of the key. It just looked like, you know, it's easy to see on TV when you can see the whole court and, and we can see, hey, give it to Riv or give it to Zay or give it to Pat, you know, something like that. And and obviously they kind of collapsed on John and, and he felt like he had to put up that shot. But what was, was it just uh, mayhem at that point or or did you guys have a plan? Yeah, we, so yeah, we called a play for, uh, to have on a, on a made shot. Because I think, yeah, because I think we were out of timeouts. And then off a of miss, we were, the plan was just kind of out with the ball and go. And it's something we talked about in film today too. It was just <clears throat> having better spacing and giving giving John some room to work and just to have in case someone helps, you know, you can kick it out or whatever um, to make the right play. So, yeah, I mean, obviously uh, spacing wasn't great on that play, like I said, and John kind of forced that one up. And and John's a great shooter, so it was, it was a good look, but um, didn't drop unfortunately. Yeah. Did you guys hear any skin on that one? Was he fouled? <laughs> Riv, what do you think? <laughs> oh, man, I'm not a ref. I played a game. I don't ref, but I, I, I don't know. Yeah, there was, some, there was some skin on that one. Well, it, the ball was either <laughs> tipped. It was either tipped or or he got fouled, right? Because he's not going to miss a shot by five feet. I'm going to say – all I'm going to say is I don't think the ball got tipped. <laughs> so, 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 if I could break in on that, I actually heard an interview with uh, with uh, Tyson Degenhardt after the game, um, and you know he got credited. Uh, the, the guy doing the interview said, "You know, you got credited with a block on that last play of the game," and he goes, "Oh, that's great because I never touched the ball." <laughs> so I think he was kind of saying he touched something else. He just didn't sack up right out and say it. Yeah. Yeah, and so you know. I, I need to jump in real quick. I just wanted to say hi to you guys. Um, my mom and aunt set up an early dinner, so I'm going <laughs> to dinner right now. I got all the food questions that are coming up. So, Joel and Steve. We'll, we'll ask them for you, buddy. Yep, yep. And Isaiah and, and Patrick, great to meet you. Hope to do this again with you guys. Yep, yes, sir. Nice to meet you, too. All right. See ya. Hey, uh. So moving on, you guys talked about uh, you guys talked about the rebounding issue, and uh, that seemed to be, from my perspective, that was the real difference in the game: uh, offensive rebounds, second chance points. Um, but that's been kind of a we have a lot of fans and a lot of people that watch and go. That's been kind of a recurring problem: keeping keeping opponents uh, off the glass. It's not the first time. What do you guys think is causing it? Um, you know, I think. Um... It's, it's I mean, I can definitely see how it would be frustrating to, you know, a lot of the fans and even, even to us because, you know, we've shown we've shown spurts, we've shown, shown games. You know, I think of a game like San Diego State where we could come in, you know, obviously San Diego State's a team that's known for crashing the glass super hard. So um, just we had that mentality of, you know, we're going to war here. So um, got to keep them off the glass. And I think we did a pretty good job that game. Um, but obviously there's been games where it hasn't shown up. So. You know, I think a lot of that, you know, falls on, you know, uh, the players just having having a locked-in mindset, you know, every game of, um, you know, rebounding is something. Obviously, we're a little undersized compared to a lot of teams in the West. 
Um, and teams know that, so they're gonna that's gonna make them crash the glass even harder. So just having that mindset of being locked in and everyone taking the responsibility of um, you know check, checking their guy and block blocking out and stuff like that. And it just I think it's definitely a mentality thing more than anything. I'd say that too, because because in the Mountain West, our our uh, roster right now we're not the most athletic, we're not the biggest, we're down people and everything. So it's really just. Like Pat said, the mentality for sure. And it's all five guys got to get involved on the rebounding end. And the one time one player takes a break on that end is when their their guy grabs the board. And then one, if every single player takes one break, that's five offensive rebounds, next thing you know. And that's 10, 10 to second chance points. So it's just got to be every single play, every game. You know, I, I, I sent a, a note to Nico, um, text after the game, and he responded. And he was heartbroken, just as uh, just as you guys uh, probably were to, to lose that game. Um, and you go, one more play here and there, and you win the game by a small amount. And I, I basically said, do a great job on the glass. You win that game by double digits. Um, you guys were that good yesterday. <laughs> I mean, you were really good. And uh, yeah. just clean, clean, clean the glass, and uh, and, and have a, a great win over a very, very, very good basketball team. Um, it was heartbreaking, um, I'm sure, on you guys. And you come, all of you guys. You know, I've I've yet to run into a guy playing Division One basketball who wasn't the best player on his team, who didn't play on a winning team that won either state championships or, in Pat's case, competed at the NCAA Division Two level. Um, is it tough being on the wrong end of the score when you're so used to winning? Um, yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, obviously, you know, you try not to be too results oriented in your process. You know, you want to just keep improving and focusing on yourselves. And, you know, obviously it's nice when the scoreboard reflects, you know, that improvement. And like, like, like Ruth was saying, you know, we're a better team than we were a month ago. Um, and, you know, a lot of those, a lot of these, uh, these games have come down to, you know, one or two possessions and the margins are very small. It's something coach talks about a lot. Um, so it's, it's very frustrating. But one thing that the coaches have made sure that, you know, we got to just continue to not get discouraged. You know, obviously it's it's it can be disappointing at times when um, you feel like you're improving. And like last night, we feel like we played well enough to win, but it just didn't happen. You know, you just got to keep pounding the rock and stay resilient. And um, like I said, keep staying process oriented and focusing on your preparation and all that stuff. And then Hopefully the results will, will uh, follow suit. So, yeah, Joe, Joel and I had a short conversation before you guys came on. Um, the number of games you guys have led in the final eight minutes um, and not come out on the, the the good side of the score is is incredible. Um, if you look at the top three teams in the conference, uh, San Diego State, Boise State, and Nevada, if you've led all of them in the final eight minutes of games. Um, there's not a team you can't beat. <laughs> yeah, I, I honestly believe that. But I look at the record and everybody knows it. You know, if you listen, I'd listen to, like I said, an interview with uh, Leon Rice, the Boise State's coach last night. And he said, those guys are really good. And they just have, they just had unfortunate, you know, unfortunate things happen to them, but they could beat anybody in this conference. And it's a darn good conference. And so, um, you know, I, I, from my perspective, it's, it's hard, um, but yet uh, there's also empathy because you guys are, you're very, very capable. And I, it's hard. I, I, as hard as it is on fans, I know what's harder on the players uh, right now. And uh, I think a lot of us feel for you as well. So just wanted to share that. Hey, what was uh, what was with the new kicks last night? 
Were those part of the retro night or what what those were those were pretty sweet, the new shoes. <laughs> yeah, those were yeah, go ahead, Rip. Uh we just got them. They're like the the Under Armour Black History Month editions. Huh. Yeah, those were nice. Those were smooth for sure. Those yeah, no, they're yeah, they're cool shoes. Yeah. Big fan. Pat, Pat was looking Pat was looking good in those. Those ones. That was good as Rip. Those would be the Cartier. <laughs> Uh, do, do they do they allow you to run faster and jump higher? <laughs> not quite, not quite. At least in my case, I'm a land animal. <laughs> so, um, I, I we could turn the page from from the the pain of last night, and uh, you know, we might ask you a few more questions about how the season's going. But I I wanted to go back because I know that uh, Pat, I, I believe your team last year, did you make it to the Elite Eight? At the division two yeah. level, right? So I mean, yep. and then Rev, you you've been part of the the, the growth of this program, and you know and you get the the high point that we've had forever. I mean, it's, it's the it's the best seed we've ever had in in the NCAA tournament. So you got to experience some of the lows and the highs, and and now here we are. Are you guys? First of all, I'd like to ask you, Pat. Do you do you have a a scene a super senior season eligibility left, or are you done? I actually do. I do have another season. I am planning on taking it. I, so I, I redshirted in my first year at Hillsdale, my old school. And then obviously, so I have, so this is my, this is my fifth year. Um, Cause yeah. So I, it was four years in my old school plus the COVID year. So oh. I'm going to be one of those, one of those old geezers taking their sixth oh, year. Man. Next year. Oh, man. <laughs> Will you be coming back? Yes. Yeah. yeah awesome. That's the plan. That's, that's, that's great. Plan. Not not going to Utah State to join all those old guys. <laughs> yeah, no, no. <laughs> Pat, Pat getting married this summer. <laughs> so do you guys do you guys have any um inside scoop for us? Like or not inside scoop, but do you guys have a feel one way uh, or another? If do you think there's any hope that uh Zay or John might be thinking about coming back, or you think that they are uh still up in the air or think they're gone? Honestly, I have I have had no conversations with them about that. It's basically they probably that honestly they don't know probably like yeah. look, like they're they're focused on what we got to do. They're focused on the walkthrough at Fresno today. They're not focused on that stuff right now. They got they'll have plenty of time to make that decision, make an educated decision on what they have to do on that. But yeah, yeah. yeah well, I thought I'd take a shot, see if you guys had some <laughs> inside knowledge for us. Uh, I. I, I did talk to another player. I won't reveal his name because I don't think it's a, a appropriate to steal the thunder, but there's another player who's currently not playing right now who told me he's very interested in coming back next year and plans to come back next year. So you probably know who I'm talking about. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be nice too. That would be really good. Um, Isaiah, you are from, how do you, how do you pronounce your hometown? Is it Geneseo? Geneseo, yeah. Geneseo, uh, Geneseo, Illinois. Uh, you're a proud Maple Leaf. Being from Illinois, but also from the Quad City area between Iowa and Illinois, you were recruited by DePaul, Loyola, Chicago, Drake, you and I. What was it about CSU that brought you here to Fort Collins? Uh, really just the the relationship and the the trust that that uh, the coaches just showed. They 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 uh show show me like the plan for me, show me how they could develop me, and also show how they have developed people in the past. And I wanted to be a part of that, and I want to be a part of the culture that they were that they were building. And 
uh, I was fortunate to to come in here with with just great players ahead of me that led the way, like guys like Adam Thistlewood, Moo, Kendall Moore, uh, David Roddy, Zay Stevens, all those people just like just led the way and just helped me get better each and every day. Who was uh, who was the lead recruiter? Was Jr. the lead recruiter for you? Yeah, yeah, Jr. brought me up in here. So Mike wanted to make sure I asked this, but uh, who was a better high school quarterback, you or Roddy? <laughs> See, I I always I stopped after my sophomore year, so my my I could have I could have peaked higher than him, but I don't know. No, no one will ever know, man. <laughs> what was it like, hey, Rib? Rib, tell me about my uh, receiving career. <laughs> hey, but they need to, they need to have the clip. Pat's state tournament, uh, state no state game, state championship game, touchdown, a little shimmy and go. Oh my god, that was, <laughs> that was a heck of a route for the for the take took the top off. <laughs> <laughs> Speeds uh, around the outside, yeah. That's awesome. That's good. Uh, Pat, you went to uh, Brookfield East in the Milwaukee metro area. You had a great high school career. You received all type of accolades. And um, we asked the same question to Chandler Jacobs last year. It was kind of a similar mold as you as far as CSU recruiting and bringing in a, a Division II All-American. But how did you slip through the cracks and end up at uh, D2 Hillsdale? I So I – man, I wouldn't say I'm, I was like a late bloomer, but I got to give a lot of credit to, you know, Hillsdale for – they did a great job developing me. Um, Coach Sarp and a bunch of assistant coaches there did a really good job with me developing me um, physically in terms of my like strength and obviously you know, skill and just IQ learning the game and stuff like that. And um, yeah, I mean, I would not have changed my path for, for anything. You know, obviously I've had a great four years at Hillsdale and I'm I'm having a great year here. And I, yeah, I wouldn't trade that for anything. So curious, um, you know, speaking of Chandler and a great player. I mean, he was such a good player, an integral player for us last year, and you've been the same. Um, what? Curious to know if your thoughts align with his as far as how uh, the difference was between Division Two, uh, where you came from, and CSU. What, what? What are some of the differences you see? I think the the main the main difference, kind of obvious, is just like the speed and size, and the and also I would say how like every possession is like is matters. Like every single, not that I didn't obviously I'm at D two, but like especially for me, a guy who's maybe a little undersized and um, uh, athletically um, not not quite up to par with uh, some of the other guys in the conference. You know, it's like on the defensive end, I think it's something I've like started to improve at a little bit is just being locked in every single possession, every time a shot goes up. You know, uh, boxing out, and so just that intentionality. Um, of that on the defensive end and then yeah just the, the size and speed i would say is for a couple of the main differences yeah do you just along those lines um for both of you um coming out of high school obviously pat you had d2 experience what about playing what's it like for you playing in front of larger crowds uh, does that does does it is there a different feeling um and the reason why i ask that is um i had the wonderful opportunity to be on the floor pregame last year I I was uh I was one of the cancer survivors and got to participate in the cancer game last year and uh, I was on the floor for the national anthem and heard the crowd noise and as much as you think you hear it in the stands it is 10 times louder when you're on the floor um has it <laughs> I'm just curious what it feels like to you guys uh 
who may have played in something uh, a little more sterile and then moving into this uh, this Mountain West environment with uh, large crowds and a lot of noise. Uh, yeah, that's definitely a big difference. Like, Moby Madness brings a lot of juice, gets you gets you amped up. But then at the same time, in terms of, like, going to other places and stuff on the road, you got to just know that you play basketball your whole, whole life and you just got to stick to what you what you know. Obviously, talk a lot on defense, <laughs> talk louder. And, uh, yeah, but it, it gives you a lot of juice at home. Like, Moby's crowds, Moby might be one of the loudest gyms probably that uh, – when it's when it's rocking in Moby, it's it's really rocking. Yeah, no, I would I would definitely agree. Obviously, you know, I played in some some big games, you know, just throughout high school and college, but the crowds uh this year definitely not something that I'm um I've, that I've totally seen before. I remember the first uh first game versus Gardner Webb and in Moby, the first regular uh season game, me and uh Joe Palmer, who's a D three transfer, after the game we're like, Holy crap, that was awesome you know <laughs> just because we've never really experienced a crowd you know that loud and it's just the, the intensity obviously gives you juice and um makes you want to play harder and yeah similar to what rib said on, on the road you know it's it's the rams versus the world when you when you go on the road um kind of that type of mentality but um yeah it's been it's been great great experience for sure pat you were a three-sport athlete in high school you won state titles in football and track and this is one of the the banes of my existence, but it, as I have kids in, in youth sports and whatnot, it, you just see like so much specialization in, in sports these days where parents are trying to stick them into one sport. And it's awesome to see that, you know, you grew up playing multiple sports. What, is, what do you think, how important it is for kids to be multi-sport athletes and, and what that does for you as an, uh, an athlete? Yeah, I think, um, you know, there's obviously everyone that goes on their own journey. So it's not like, specializing I don't think specializing specializing in sports necessarily bad but I think the part that was like fun for me is just being able to meet new people you know be on different teams and just like be able to fill that like competitive fire I guess through like every season of the um of the years is something that I really enjoyed and just in, in different um environments and with different teams and like I said um I think the the competition aspect is something yeah that maybe gets lost with that uh with people you know only focusing on one sport um um obviously it's good really good for like skill development and different things like that but then there's, yeah there's also the, obviously the other side of sport which is uh the competitive fire aspect so that's yeah, yeah that's the part i liked about it well you guys uh both being multi-sport athletes and sounds like pat you're a heck of a wide wide receiver and 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 riv is a good quarterback you guys uh can you guys partake in intramurals or anything like that are you are you restricted no i i think i think they restrict i know uh yeah they restrict us i think i know nick nick bassett uh one of the walkouts who's a senior um he he does like he did intramural flag football and then he was i know he played intramural basketball last year but i think yeah, last year, bro, he went to the game. We went to, it was like the playoffs. He was going crazy. <laughs> yeah, like like forty in the play in the playoffs of a of an intramural. And like it just shows you how he's a walk on here, and he was getting 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 busy out there to the to the general population. <laughs> yeah, I think someone ratted him out though, so he like can't play this year or something like yeah. that. But <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, Pat, what was your track event? 
I did. Um, so I only did, I did track my first three years. I didn't end up doing it my senior spring, but I did, I ran hurdles and did like triple jump. So yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't, it was more of just a thing that like all the football guys did and they kind of encouraged. So I wasn't, I wasn't a great track athlete by any means, but it was, yeah, it was fun. That was good. I was good, Joel. I was going to comment, you know, talking about intramurals. I go way back in terms of intramurals. And I was, uh, I, we, at, I played flag football at Duke and uh, I was a pretty good wide receiver. I had a great quarterback, a guy who was a baseball player who could throw the ball about 70 yards. So I just ran fast and caught everything. And we won the independent, the independent house league. And then in the first round of the playoffs, we went against the grad school champions and it happened to be the law school. And there was a guy at law school named Carlos Alvarez, who was an all-American wide receiver at the University of Florida in the mid-60s. So uh, needless to say, we were overwhelmed. <laughs> no one who could stay with him. <laughs> anyway, um, Pat, we, you talked about kind of the transition from D2 to D1 and the, the differences. Isaiah, you've gone from uh, you've gone from a, a more of a role player last year, about a fifteen minute a game player, and now a thirty minute starter. What's that transition like uh, been for you? Yeah, it's, it's a big transition. Uh, you start to realize uh, that's a big fifteen more minutes in a game. It's a big big jump, and it's a it's the the biggest jump is really just knowing that every, like every single play matters. Like that, like in fifteen minutes. You you're only getting a certain amount of like like uh possessions and stuff. But when you go to play 30 minutes, you can't take any breaks, and you start to learn throughout the season that you can do more. You can play play harder, longer, and you can play like on defense on the defensive end stuff. You can play in a stance longer than your mind's gonna tell you because because that's that's the first place that you, that tiredness is gonna go to your head, and it's, you're gonna start to tell yourself that oh let's take a break here. But then you realize no, there's no you there's no time for that. And you can fight through that as the season goes on. So we know that the the Mountain West is loaded with some uh, some really good teams and some really good players. Uh, for each of you, uh, if you could answer this, what team and what player has been the toughest to play against for you? Is there any one player that stands out and any one team that stands out? Um, I thought, especially like I thought, I definitely think Boise State is up there. Um, Dagenhart in particular is a really, really talented player. And he's I think yeah, he's only a sophomore, I'm pretty sure. So he's he's def definitely has a bright future ahead of him. I was I'm I've been very impressed by him. Um and yeah, when we played Boise State at their place, I thought they played really, really well. That was one of that was definitely like the most probably the most impressed I've been with the team we played. But obviously, you know, San Diego State and just the intensity they bring on a night to night basis and on uh, defensive end, you know, it's hard to ignore. Um and yeah, Mensa's a really good defender too. I would say, I would say those two guys are definitely. Isaiah, how about you? Yeah, like you said, there's so many great players. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say there's. This one is gonna be hard for Rib to tip his cap to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I want to say there's one in particular. Like, yeah, I wouldn't say there's one in particular that that really jumps out. I'll say, yeah, Boise was was really, really a good team. I thought Nevada was a good team. Uh, yeah, Nevada. Too. Nevada was they they were just solid all together, and then yeah, that's all. That's what I'll I'll say that. You guys got the you got the show coming up here at San Diego State here. Um, what was that Tuesday? So mm -hmm. that's that's always an experience in front of those those fans and um, 
I've actually never caught a game live there, but it seems like that is a, a pretty cool place to play. Pretty, pretty wild environment. Yeah, it definitely is. I played there one time. Yeah, one time. I played there twice, but that one time there was no fans. No fans, right. Really, I played there three times. We played two games that year. Yes. And the last year, yeah, it was it was crazy. It was like a rescheduled game or something. We bumped it up and they still had like thousands of people there. So it was it was crazy. It was it was a crazy atmosphere. And there was no there was even, there wasn't even students on campus because it was during break. And they still pack the whole the whole arena, and it's it's just a it's kind of a, it's kind of a cool place to know that like Kawhi Leonard and people like that have have played there, and yeah, I'd say it's a, it's a really great experience with that, and playing like a place like the Pit too. That's also a great place, like great atmosphere. Have you guys ever been a part of a team that has had this kind of adversity with so many injuries and illnesses and guys missing so much playing time and? And related to that, what is it like when you know you're going to have to play so many minutes? You know, is it taxing mentally and physically, you know, having having such a thin bench? Um, I think, you know, yeah, I have not been a part of a team that's had, you know, this much adversity. But um, you can only control what you can control. And, yeah, guys getting hurt, that's not really something you can totally control. And, and yeah, guys getting sick, too. So just got to, you know, keep keep pushing, keep moving forward. With what we got, I would say, um, I thought like a couple of games where we were undermanned. Like, I think Air Force, um, Air Force the other night was like one of our best games, and even Utah State, I thought we played with a ton of energy. Um, you know, when we had a couple of guys out, and uh, we had uh, Trace Young getting a couple of minutes, which is awesome. You know, that that stuff like that can almost bring you know bring the team closer together because you know you have all this adversity, and it almost uh, I feel like in a sense can bring can bring guys closer together. So Riff. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you sign up, you want to, you want to play and then pe- people, people get out, start, start going down. I've never seen that. Never seen that in my career, uh, basketball, really any sport, basketball, football, or baseball. I've never seen that. And then, but at the same time, like, like Pat says, it's, it's for, for everyone that people that might not always have gotten those minutes, they they don't have to look at, back at the bench. They can just play free. They don't. They know they're not coming out. So yeah, there's a sense <laughs> right. of that. And and also just I feel like everyone wants to play minutes. So I don't think it's taxing really. Everyone wants to play thirty minutes a game. So so when they get to do it, that's their that's their opportunity. You gotta show show what you can do. Right. Well, I got a couple more questions for you. These are actually Mike's, and these are his. He he's a big foodie, so he likes to ask food questions of all of our guests. Uh, we'll start with you, Isaiah. When you when people think of regional eats for for Illinois, they automatically think of pizza and hot dogs. That's what he says, anyway. I don't actually <laughs> think of that, but uh, for Iowa, it's Iowa fried pork tenderloin sandwiches and broasted chicken. Uh, if I'm driving down I-80 and I make a stop in Geneseo, what would the the local cuisine that I should try? Geneseo, uh, probably like. The best restaurant we got probably is called like the Cellar. It's like a steakhouse. Got it's yeah, it's one of the best steaks you can get probably in the country. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's good eats right there. Yeah. All right, mark that down, Michael. Geneseo, Illinois, one of the best steaks in the country. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right there. Right. <laughs> All right, uh, and then Pat, the Wisconsin State Fair is considered one of the best in the United States. 
Mike's go to there is the buttered corn on the cob. What is yours? Um, I would say I actually my first ever. It's also funny you bring that up because me and two of my roommates are from Minnesota, and they like swear by the Minnesota State Fair. That's like the greatest thing ever, and I'd say it's probably the same exact thing as Wisconsin. But um, my first ever job was actually at the State Fair, pouring milk, uh, like flavored milk. So I would stop there, and then they have like all the deep fried stuff, but also cream puffs or something that they're like really well known for. So and then like a brat or something too, probably. So all right. So speaking of that. Mike asked Patrick Usinger's Clements or Johnsonville sausages. What's the best man. That's I'd say the ones that we most often have are probably Johnsonville, but Usinger's. I think when they do the racing sausages at the, at the brewer games, I think those are, that's a Usinger response. Is that right? So I'd say, okay. I'd say those two. Yeah. <laughs> all right. And then um, he said, all right, do you, first of all, do you bring, do you drink beer at all? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, he, he's a big fan of New Glarus Brewery. So he was asking if you have a favorite from there. He said outside of Spotted Cow, his favorite is Cabin Fever. Do you have? You, yeah, you like I would say I would say I've 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 tried them all, but I would say that because, um, yeah, New Glarus, they only sell in Wisconsin. Um, I would say Spotted Cow is definitely the most popular. And that's probably not, probably my favorite. But I've, yeah, yeah, I've tried, tried all of them. So. And his last and his last question is what's your favorite burger place? AG Bombers, Sobelman's, or something else? Sobelman's, for sure. Sobelman's is really good. All right. Yeah. There you have it, Michael. Dang, he knows. Hey, Joel, uh, real quick, it, Pat brought something that triggered a question. Um, you're, you're a Brewer fan. Uh, Riv, what's your favorite baseball team? Cardinals. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a big Cardinals fan, yeah. And you played baseball yeah. in high school too, Rip? Yeah, I played baseball actually. Yeah, my dad played professional baseball, so he's from the Dominican Republic, and well, that was a big household thing. My sister played softball in college. My brother played baseball in college, but I I turned out to be a basketball guy. But, but I was I enjoyed all three sports. What position did you play? Oh, I played pitcher, like outfield, little third base, shortstop. All I played basically every position. Besides, like, I've never played second base. Well, that's good stuff, boys. Steve, you have anything else? Just, I just wanted to mention one thing, Pat. Uh, since you're a Brewer fan, um, my college roommate, who was a baseball player, had a cup of coffee in the major leagues, and he hit one one homer in the major leagues, and that was for the Milwaukee Brewers. So, all right, <laughs> way back in 1980, <laughs> you're the beer. I love it. That's awesome. <laughs> Well, boys, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for uh, coming straight from practice to join us. And uh, really good to to catch up with you and get to know you a little bit better. And and thanks for breaking stuff down for us. Yeah, 100%. Yeah, thanks for having us on. Yeah, thanks battle you. hard the rest of the season and um, finish strong. Yeah, appreciate sure. it, guys. Thanks for having us on. Thank you, guys. All right, that was a lot of fun. What a couple great guys, mature guys, great representatives of Colorado State. Really appreciate them spending some time with us. Thank you to Pat Cartier and Isaiah Rivera. Thank you to Steve Ivey. And really no thanks at all to Mike Rowe, who chimed in for two seconds and then went to dinner. <laughs> Just kidding, Michael. But uh, thanks, everybody, for listening. Been a busy day of podcasts, but I uh, hope you're enjoying them. Hope you all have a great rest of your week and weekend. 
the Rams can get a much needed victory against Fresno State on Saturday and just finish the season on some sort of a good note here. Have a good little stretch here and, and maybe gain some confidence and some momentum going to the Mountain West tournament. But thank you all. Have a great one. Go Rams.